This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Welcome to Business Success Tips, coming from you from the closet. The large closet. The large closet with a window. In San Rafael, California. In San Rafael, California. Closet like where I think I, where I, 80% guys, sure I saw a mountain, mountain lion a little earlier having lunch. Me, me, I'm not in having lunch. Me having lunch. Looking at the mountain lion. Yeah, watching the mountain okay. lion chase a uh, deer. So, well, so explain the closet. So the closet is a second uh, room that we've rented in this building that's basically just storage. And it actually generally has pretty good acoustics. It's got these this, this the air sound absorbing wall. Yeah, this time of year when it's getting hot out, the air conditioning is right. probably going to get picked up. I mean, it's probably a nine by fifteen or something. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not tiny, tiny. We're not touching each other. Or yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not like standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder in this right. dark closet. We're sitting. But in our here. studios are definitely going downhill. <laughs> but they'll they'll turn it around. So let's see. I can talk about a couple things I've done. It's a recessionary studio. Recessionary so. studio. That's right. The budget cut studio. We're keeping it real. That's right. So um, I spent the weekend in Phoenix at, at, at Amway Convention, which was good. It's twelve hours there, twelve hours back for. You know, a while there. Oh, you drove? We drove. You got Wow, you're a trooper. 12 hours. And I did notice the car trip, because I was talking to Lee, Lee people like probably guess Lee Strong, Lee Strong, and his new girlfriend, and I went in a car there and back, and Lee drove all the way there and back, and we had a lot of, you know, good conversations. Um, and it was interesting, if you spend windshield time, you can come up with a lot of sort of revelations about business and stuff. And we listened to a couple things. I think what impressed me was the, uh, and you might comment on this, by George Kawasaki, Guy, Guy Kawasaki. No, no, this is George. George. Don't know George. You don't know George Kawasaki? Oh, my God. Anyhow, the less Guy, favorite. Guy's second, second cousin? Rich, rich Dad, Poor Dad. No, no, uh, not Kai. It's close. It's um, it's not George, is it? Is it? No, it's... Um, I think on. all your facts. I know what you mean, though. Okay, the guy that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, yeah. Which is the best... Ro- uh, Robert... Robert... Kai... Robert Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Anyway, it's close. You don't know the guy that I just made up his name? Come on. Hey. Anyhow, he he did. We listened to some things by him, right? Yeah. And a couple were really good. And I think that you described the sectors. You've read the book, right? Obviously. Parts of it. Parts of the book. And it talks about the the, the four sectors. There's the, you know, employee sector, which is 95% of people. And you can basically make a living living in the industrial revolution. You're stuck at maybe 100, 150 grand. Um, and that's where most 95% of the people fall. Then there's below that, there's the small business sector where you're trading time for money of some kind. So that's where a lot of people fall. That's where I fall, you fall, where you're trading your time for money. And you're sort of stuck. Yeah, this is this is Rich Dad, Poor Dad stuff. It's Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki, that's, that's right. So you're sort of stuck in that for most people. And the other side is businesses over $10 million mm-hmm. and investment. Right. Where you can actually become rich, and he talks about how those two sectors think. And I think the one thing about if you look at at least some versions of the network marketing thing, it, if you pull off, you can get on the right side. It is physically possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other two is you can't, have, you don't have enough time. There's no way in heck work for somebody. Right. So his suggestion was that is a way for the average person, if they're looking at getting on that side of the equation, to do so. Unless you got a million or two million bucks to invest, which most people don't. So it's sort of like the option to the average man. Because most people don't have enough money to actually start a ten million dollar business. Right. There's a couple of people that pull it off in the internet, whatever, but it's tough. OPM. You know what that stands for? Other people's money. Yeah. Right. So, and it was interesting to talk about that. And he and he was saying some interesting things. He goes, "You've got to understand, we're in the information age, right? 
And you're no longer competing for a job with the people in this country. You're competing with a job for people in China. And it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's going to get worse and worse because as communication gets better, you're going to be able to hire your accountant in China or in India and all the services that you want to do in another country. What's the what's the one one of the few irreplaceable things though? Construction, you can't build a house. You can insource it, but you can't outsource it. And something else, the business you're in, face to face consulting. Face to face consulting. Yeah. You can do phone consulting, and they can they can compete that way, right? right? And so, in that sense, well, how, how is face to face not Skype over you know over yeah. a Skype connection? You can do over Skype. You no, I mean literally. Physically, I mean, literally no, physically yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like, well, I think not, it follows on with policy. Because, go ahead, Sean. No, I was just saying it follows on, and I, I can't hear you guys at all once I'm talking, so sorry if I'm overlapping you there. Our Skype connection's got some issues, but um, yeah, it's a, I think it's along the same lines of like people's tolerances may expand with this new worldwide uh, technology infrastructure and economy that's that's happening here with outsourcing because people will maybe become more tolerant to have somebody that they're working with quote unquote face to face over when we, everybody's got a high bandwidth connection and you can have that sort of you know that face to face experience over that it means that that type of business is going to be less likely just to be able to sell based on that unique selling proposition oh well you know I can come and visit you in your office well actually I'm willing to pay 50% less and have somebody who's actually coming in from, uh, you know, South Africa or Canada or wherever, you know. And I was interesting. I also I have a movie I recommend called um, Inside. Was it Inside Job? I'm really good with it. Inside Job, yeah. Inside Job. And I just watched. Have you seen that movie? I have. Okay, a very interesting movie. Yeah. And it's it, how the big bubble hit and crashed, and you know that kind of thing. But it it also talks about you know in China, I guess people make I don't know fifty sixty dollars a month. And it's really hard to compete with that labor force. Sure. It's tough. And if they're insourcing things, it's people that are coming here from other countries willing to work for us. So that we are in a different ballgame. And as it says in the movie, this is the first generation where this generation makes less than their parents. Right. And it keeps it's heading and, that direction. And prices are higher, too. And prices are higher. And it's going that direction. So the lifestyle for the first time in the history of this country is going the other direction. Mm-hmm. And there's no indicator that's going to change. Well, part of the reason it got so out of control is that there was this drive to always increase you know the, uh, the, the the lifestyle and everything that goes with it mm-hmm. and that's what led to you know the whole low interest rate thing and people buying houses they couldn't afford right supposedly if housing prices drop another 10 percent 25 percent of the country will be underwater with their mortgages no the actually there's 30 percent right now that are underwater from last history I heard oh, is that right 30 percent of wow. the country are underwater their mortgages and then the foreclosures just begin so the question is how do you you take advantage of in this kind of a market, right? Right. I mean, I think you either you know do a network marketing company, which is I'm doing, or get in some business that rides the downhill slide, or do technology. But if you're in, like I talked about your contractors, I gave a uh, talk last night to a group of remodeling contractors, and I said you got to build stuff on a relationship. A lot of you are going to not be here, yeah. <laughs> and you've got to figure out people. I mean, the, the truth is, houses prices are going down. But see, houses are still falling apart. People need to fix them. But you can't sell them on a basic premise that it's an investment. It's like a vacation. 
Well, so the nature of remodeling is going to change because people used to remodel just because they wanted something nicer. Now they're going to be doing more maintenance. Well, right? they're going to remodel because they want it, not because it's an investment. Right. And if you're selling it, your remodel is an investment. It won't work because housing prices are going down and up. But if you're selling it because it's a lifestyle issue and you want a nice kitchen because you want to live in the science kitchen, it's like a vacation. Mm-hmm. A vacation is not an investment. It's a lifestyle, right? Yeah. So your kitchen, you can say you should have a school kitchen because you're going to live here. You're not going to get the money back, but so what? But if you're used to selling on another premise, it's very difficult because you're you're coming, your brain's connected to selling the value of the investment, and instead it's more of a lifestyle kind of thing. So as as the if we go from the information the industrial age to the information age, there's a lot of opportunities, but things are really changing. And I think if you're in business, you really need to look at what those opportunities are, and and you can't figure that you know if you're in this country, things are going to come back. It's no not, time soon. It's no time be, soon. It's going to be a long time. I don't think it's ever going to happen because then technology would have to reverse. Yeah, I agree. I think that we're, you know, people who think it's going to come back around are really behind. They're the same people who think that people are going to start using the yellow pages again to find local businesses. It's just, you know, the world has changed and there's two ways to go. You either get crushed under its wheels or you get on top and you ride that sucker into the next sunset. <laughs> Mix my yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I, mean, have I, to, I have to... I have to bite my tongue every time someone says, well, you know, when, when the economy turns around and, you know, I could go on a, you know, a half hour dissertation about why it's not going to just magically turn around, but I just sort of let the comment go at this point. Right. You know? Yeah, it's it's very exciting. I mean, I'm very excited about it. It's just it's like you know, it's really the new Rubik's cube, right? You just got to figure this out. You got to take a look, and it, it takes you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to be detached from what you have done before and embrace the new and carry forward your new self with it or something else, you know. But if you were doing remodeling or you're doing something that's just or you're a realtor. Uh, you know, uh, anything like that that's just something that is not currently needed or maybe not be, you're a yellow page salesman, <laughs> something that's not going to be needed again, you, you got to find a new gig. And the sooner you cut bait and fish and move on, the better off you are. And, you know, Paul mentions one. I know that the Amway thing is around these, it's, it's like, it's like Procter and Gamble, right? Why is Procter and Gamble done consistently well over the last, whatever, 75 years, 80 years, whatever it's been, is because people always need their stuff, right? Um, and so that's not going to go away. So you can look at things like that, you know, and we look at, you know, the you know alcohol industry. Uh, not that I'm suggesting getting into that business. I'm just saying, like, you know, these are things that are going to be around and are not likely to change. And so you can look at something like that or you can look at, uh, so, you know, that type of business where you know that there, the need's there, but you can also look and say, okay, well, I'm ready to, Codify the knowledge I have. I'm ready to record the knowledge I have and be a content expert in whatever. Because everybody's good at something. Everybody's an expert at something, or at least one thing. I don't care if it's juggling or knowing how to, you know, buy foreclosed homes. You have some knowledge, and if you build a community around the people that want your knowledge, and believe me, if you have an expertise in something, you've got a community. It may not be, you know, it may not be fifty million. It might be fifty thousand. But if you make the right moves, and that's where, you know, internet marketing, inbound marketing, and all these things can help you build another career. Maybe you don't do it as your primary business right off the bat because it's unlikely you'll turn the money faucet on. But we should all be doing that. We should be recording our expertise and getting it out there in a form that people can pick up on it. Because even if you did a hobby blog that talked about your expert knowledge of juggling, you're the best juggler around. People are going to follow you. You know, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, you have a website, you blog, you video blog, you you know podcast. 
uh, people, you're going to get a following because it's mechanical. People find you based on the keywords. And, and also, if you have non-sucky content, they'll stay with you. And then you can choose what you want to do with that. Like that might elevate you to be speaking at juggling conferences all over the world. And then that turns into business deals. Or you might decide to develop a information product for jugglers or whatever. But find, find, this is just something else to consider. It's, you know, take that thing that you've always been good at, even if it was a hobby or a side project or something you've never associated with making money with, and start recording yourself. Well, and, and the good, the good news about the labor market, you know, you're now competing as, as Robert says. That instead of competing against the you know two hundred million people in the United States, you're competing against three billion people, right? Right. It's a new labor market. But the good news: those three billion people could be customers if you're selling either. I mean, like if you look at the, the Amway business, it's three billion and growing strong in China because now there's people that in China that are customers because of the shift in labor. Um, it was interesting in the, the conference I went to. It used to be there was like a small Hispanic group, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now. It's the it's one of the fastest growing things in the organization is Hispanics, right? Because there's no barriers to entry, and the people that, that come to this country and go worldwide. There's a lot of reasons for it. So what's interesting is that when they're still using the headset and they're still doing it in English, but my friend and I said sooner or later we're going to be on the headset, right? <laughs> and they're going to, it's going to be in Spanish. And when Amway actually did the presentation, they they came up with a new weight loss program and all these nutritional stuffs and how to lose weight safely and all that. It, it, all of the slides were in Spanish. And the whole president—they're not stupid, right? All sure. the stuff was in Spanish, so it might not be something we either support or don't support or whatever. But it's here. It's- and it's funny you mentioned that, Paul, because I just met with a guy yesterday, last night, a prospective client. His specialty is the Hispanic market uh, for uh, health insurance, and that's that's his whole deal. And so it's yeah, and I, I think you're right. Well, you know, and it makes you realize when you go down to Mexico that it's really a language we should all be learning. I mean. You know, it, it definitely can't hurt, especially if you live in this part of the world. To, uh, to well, it, you may you can hold a stand that you know if you're in America you speak English, and that's a stand. And I, I don't even necessarily disagree with that. But then you've got the reality of most. You know, there's more Latins in California than yeah, it, anybody it, else. It's a huge help. I mean, even you know whether it's staying local or going south of the border, if you can speak the language, because not everyone speaks perfect English, and. Um, you know, so so I take every opportunity I can to practice. But Sean, I was going to mention something related to what you said earlier about people who you know who speak do speeches on juggling. Um, I think a really important skill for a lot of people to acquire is to speak on their area of expertise. Whether you're speaking in front of a crowd, whether you're just recording yourself on YouTube, um, I'll give you an example. So Andreas went and did a presentation to some investors a few weeks ago and you know he, he basically memorized it wrote and it, and it went horribly right right and he did a presentation uh, the other day and he won he, he got like the top marks out of, out of 12 people presenting mm-hmm. because he had practiced right and most people are, are not great speakers by nature but most people can turn into good speakers in fact even um, um, I was talking to Shell Israel a few weeks ago and he said I was he said he was a you know petrified to get in front of a crowd and finally one day he decided he was going to go up on stage and just tell stories because that's what comes naturally to Mm -hmm. him and he turned into this great speaker because now whenever he goes up on stage he just starts to break into a story Mm -hmm. so it's a very very important skill to be able to present to give your pitch whether it's live whether it's recorded whether it's you know video podcast whatever hugely important skill also if you're stuck in quadrant two if it's what I am with one business which is consulting when I gave my presentation, there was like 60 contractors there, right? 
So what I did is I traded a, a hand program, which is a program that I, it's like 800 bucks learning program, for their business card. So I got, I got 60 people to hear basically me and form some relationship with them. I collected 60 business cards, right, which have taken a lot longer. And I will call those people, and I'll get, I don't know, probably three or four clients out of the other five clients. But it's much easier in that kind of presentation, the one-on-one thing, because you at least got 60 people at one time that see who you are as a person. And as long as you make a way to connect with them after, you have to take the responsibility. I didn't expect them to call me, even if they really liked what I did. And I told them in the presentation, I'm going to call you. Expect a call. I didn't use a PowerPoint or a board because that's going to detract from you looking at me as a, and trying to get a relationship with me. I don't want you to have a relationship with a screen. I want it with me. So, And I sort of walked through the audience and talked to people and, and tried to get, get to know them as well as I could in a short period of time with 60 people establish some kind of relationship because because of that time I spent with them, they I think will take my phone call. And whether I, I can turn them into a client or not, I don't know. But it's an effective way of prospecting to sixty people at a time. Sure. And and keeping it making it memorable, that's the other trick. I mean since we're on the topic, I was at a invited to present CRM at a conference with several technology vendors last week and, and two people went up before me and they went through twenty PowerPoint slides with an average of ten bullets each, blah blah blah. And when it came time to mind, I had one PowerPoint slide, and I used props to get my point across. And, and I was I was joking. I was making people laugh. And it was it was a short talk, but people remembered what I said more than the people who went on and on through all the, the slides. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to make it. Did bem- you get the, the connect like the name, their addresses, or phone? Number? Oh yeah, people came up afterwards. They weren't they weren't great prospects for what I do in general, but at least they wanted to talk afterwards. They wanted mm-hmm. to engage. So right. that was my measure that, that it went well. Yeah, that's cool. You know, there's a, no, this is a tool thing. I mean, you're, you're talking stylistically, which I, that's great. And I, that's great advice. Um, there's a tool that can kind of help you create a more interesting and dynamic presentation. It's called Prezi.com, P-R-E-Z-I.com. And let me just say it is the un-PowerPoint. Um, it's hard to describe, but essentially what it is, it's, it's kinetic, what they call kinetic text. And it's zooming in and zooming out and like, you know, vertical and horizontal. And it lets you create this, it's like you're zooming into a, a map of your presentation that's almost like you drew it out on a board in kind of a scattergun kind of way with images. And But it's re- it's got a great wow factor, but it's much more visually interesting to follow. Um, and it, it's more about, it's more fo- it more follows the way that we think than, you know, bullet points on a slide, next slide. And uh, so anyway, everybody out there, I highly recommend if you're doing presentations to check out Prezi.com. Prezi.com. Yeah, because we all gravitate toward what we learn in school, right, which is left-to-right text, and that's, you know, if it goes back to mind mapping, which is radiant thinking or Prezi, those, those are the way people actually visualize things. Right. This, this is very mind mapish. This is basically mind map meets presentation. Well, the important, if you're trying to get a relationship with a bunch of audience, is to be interesting, memorable. memorable. You want to be memorable. Memorable, and something that will at least get them to, you know, when you call them, they'll go, oh, I remember that. Absolutely. You know, otherwise, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's a, it's not a bad way to prospect. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking to stay in quadrant <laughs> two, at least make a reasonable living. You always have the flood pants and no socks. I remember you. That's right. Anything. Right. Okay. Well, I think uh, we need to wrap it up. Okay. And so thank you for attending. And try to find a business. And I said whether it's you know network marketing or it's you know the, some kind of product and service you really like or it's selling your expertise worldwide to a new market that's there. Or I guess if you're just going to stay selling your time for money, make sure that you make 
more money at it. Because the chances are that the time for money trade, unless you're an investment banker, <laughs> um, is going to become less as the market becomes more. It's a supply-demand issue. Yeah. And one last thing, if I can add on to that, too, is that figure out what your time is worth based on what you want to make and figure out exactly what that is and do the math backwards from the annual salary that you should be making, that you want to be making, and then divide and get down to an hourly rate. And whenever anything comes up that is offered to you that would earn you less than that hourly rate, strongly consider not doing that and outsourcing it to somebody else because if you're really trying to make that amount of money, then do the math. Do the math. Good advice. Well, have a good evening. And... uh Think about the quadrant you're in and read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Good book. By, by George, George Kawasaki. No, <laughs> no, no, no. George Kawasaki, maker of motorcycles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Good evening. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.